turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. Our scripture reading will be verses 1 through 8. You can find it on page 1,584 of your pew Bibles. Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. Thus ends our reading of God's infallible word. He is risen. In spite of Jesus' clear predictions, his disciples did not believe the warning of, his, of their Lord. Three times he told them that the Son of Man would rise from the grave. Yet none heeded his words. Even as they walked the path towards Jerusalem, Jesus cautioned them. And Mark 10, verses 33 and 34. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will Rise. And a fourth time, on the night of his betrayal, he gave them one last warning. Mark 14, verses 27 and 28. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus knew these men would flee, that they would not believe his words. They should have been at the tomb waiting for God's miraculous work. Instead, each of them were hiding, afraid, because the man whom they had thought was their Messiah 
was now dead. <clears throat> so it would not be these men who would be the first witnesses of our Lord's resurrection. Look at verses 1 and 2 of our passage again. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. Here we see three characters, all of whom were women. Mary from Magdala in Galilee, a woman that Jesus had rescued from demons. Mary, the mother of James. Here, Mark is referring to the very one that gave birth to our Lord, using Jesus' brother, James, as a reference. And finally, Salome, the sister of Jesus. Traditionally, when, it, when a person died, it was the responsibility of the family to prepare the body before placing them into a tomb. However, in Jesus' case, his death came just prior to the Sabbath, not allowing time for these women to acquire the necessary spices that they would need. While, <clears throat> while Jew, Jewish tradition would have permitted them to prepare the body for the burial on the Sabbath, they did not have what was required. And none of the shops were open where they could purchase these things. So they had to wait until after nightfall that Saturday. For only then would the Sabbath be officially over and the shops would once again open. So they purchased what they needed on Saturday night and left for the tomb early Sunday morning as it was impractical to try to anoint the body in the dark. Yet they ran into a problem on the way. Look at verses 3 and 4. And they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. According to Jewish tradition, a, a grave would have been left open for three days, allowing for visitors to pay their respects to the dead, as well as giving opportunity for the dead to come to life again and not find themselves trapped inside. This may seem funny to our modern thinking, but back then there were cases of falsely declaring a person dead only to find out later that they hadn't kicked the bucket yet. This is why Jesus waited to visit Lazarus when he was sick. He wanted to make sure that he had been, had been dead for four days and the tomb was sealed before he raised Lazarus from the dead. However, in Jesus' case, such a rule was not followed. The Jewish leaders, they were careful to have the tomb both sealed and guarded so as none would come in the middle of the night to steal away the body. For they had also heard of Jesus' claim that he would rise from the dead after three days. 
And these men were worried that his disciples would come and take the body, claiming that he had risen from the dead. Now, perhaps when these women had left that morning, they had forgotten that the tomb would be sealed. I mean, after all, they were just following their Jewish traditions. So why should Jesus' death be any different? But it must have dawned on one of them as they were walking that the entrance to the cave would have been blocked off, making it impossible for them to get at the body without help. You see, with such a stone would have been roughly about seven feet in diameter. Now, I'm a six-foot-tall man, so I'm assuming it's wider than my arm legs. And, in, and this stone would have been thick enough to keep out any unwanted guests. Such a massive rock would have been rolled into these carved-out grooves in front of the cave, sealing the entrance. To move such a stone would have taken several men. So what were these women to do? Before they could think of a solution, as they came upon that tomb, they saw something that they didn't expect. The stone had already been rolled away. How could this be? Who could have entered the grave and why? Verse 5. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Instead of finding a dead body, they, they saw a young man alive and well, dressed in a brilliant white robe, sitting off to the right. From the other Gospels, we know this to be an angel of the Lord, one of God's heavenly messengers. So it's no wonder that these women were troubled for their expectations and the reality that they were experiencing. They did not mesh. Jesus' body was gone and the angel was present. And this angel had a message to deliver. Verse 6. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Commanding them not to fear, this, this messenger began to share with them the good news. Now think about the words that he spoke. You were looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. This man was dead. There was no coming back from what he had gone through. The, the cross was the cruelest form of execution known to man at that time. It was meant for a painful death. With, with arms stretched out, nails piercing the wrists and the feet, a person would slowly suffocate due to the pressing weight of their own body. 
You see, when a, when a man hung from a cross, he, he would have to, have to lift himself up by putting pressure on his feet and his wrists just to grab a breath. The strain on his muscles would, would eventually cause him to cramp up, making breathing that much more difficult. Very soon, fluid would build up in his lungs, and, and the stress that was placed on his heart, it could have even caused him to have cardiac arrest. These are only the physical aspects of what our Lord suffered upon the cross as he paid for the sins of the world. The point of the matter is, Jesus was dead. There was no coming back from what he had gone through. And yet, what does the angel say next? He has risen. In the Greek, this, this declaration is just a single word. Egerthe. Think about that. The, the entire gospel, the, the whole of God's salvific plan hinges on a single word, egerthe. What better word could there be? Death has been defeated. The, the curse of the grave has been reversed and the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? This is the good news. Christ is victorious. The tomb is empty. He is not here. See the, see the place where they laid him. Jesus is alive. Of course, with such good news comes response. Verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Jesus has gone on ahead of them to Galilee, just as he said so. Now go, tell his disciples that Christ has risen. Tell them that one word, Egerthe. These women are forerunners to all who claim Christ as their Savior. They are the first witnesses. And even though they had not yet seen him alive, that didn't matter. They were to proclaim this good news through the faith that they had and with the evidence that had been given to them. The empty tomb. John chapter 20 verse 29 says this. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
Dear friends, unless Jesus returns in your lifetime, you will not see his resurrected body. You will not have the, the physical evidence that his disciples bore witness to. Like these women, all you have is the empty tomb. And yet, just as they were called to proclaim this message, so too you are called to do the same. And just as Jesus went ahead of these women, so too he goes ahead of you. He sends his Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of those you will speak to. Let's look at our final verse, verse 8. <clears throat> Trembling and bewildered, the, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, if you are at all familiar with Mark's gospel, and our regulars at Sunday school should know this, you will recall that there are many instances where Jesus would heal a person or, or drive out a demon from someone and then strictly command them to not tell anyone. Yet each and every time, these people did not listen, and word spread. An irony of ironies, we now have the command to, to go and tell, yet these women were too afraid, and they remained quiet. Silence was a response to the empty tomb. What will your response be? Before you answer that, let us consider the implications of such an empty tomb. What is the significance of the word, Egerthe? He has risen. First, Jesus' resurrection is, is crucial for your salvation. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13 through 17. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Without the empty tomb, there is no forgiveness of sins. The, the resurrection is essential to the Christian faith. Without it, we have nothing. Second, Christ's resurrection points to the fact that you too will one day rise from the dead. Further in 
1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Just as Jesus came back to life, this is your destiny as well. But what does it mean to have a resurrected body? It is more than what many people today think it is. The common notion is that when a Christian dies, their, their soul goes to be with Christ in heaven. And while this is true, it is not the complete picture. Listen, God created man to be both body and soul. There will come a day when Christ will return. Then the dead shall be raised. The souls of those who are with Jesus in heaven will return with their king. They will receive new glorified bodies just as Christ did. They will once again be both body and soul. Look at that first scripture reading we read again in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 53. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Here's the difference. In this glorified body, you will still have your mind and affections that you've always had. You will still be you just a better version of you. A version that won't get sick. A version that won't experience any pain. A version that won't get sad or feel grief. A version that will not die. A version that will not sin. You will be more human than you have ever been. If you are in Christ, this is what the empty tomb means for you. However, if you have yet to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he has risen, then these promises are not for you. I urge you to repent of your sins and unbelief and trust in Christ. For the tomb is empty. He has risen. What will your response be? Will you remain silent like the three women we just read about? Or will you proclaim this good news? Egerthe, 
He has risen. And all God's people said, Amen. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for your Son. Jesus took upon himself the punishment that we deserve. He, he died in our place. Yet death could not hold him. He rose victorious. And we share in his victory. Give us the faith to believe this message. Produce new life within us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.